Okay, hello everyone. Here we are. This is um, good practice for me because time and punctuality is something that plays on some of my stress and anxiety. So thanks for giving me a little experience in, uh, in patience and uh, just calling on the spirit to bring peace into my heart as I struggle with my own faults and, and yearnings. Welcome everyone. We are here again in the Scout Hall for learning. Holy Spirit sessions. We're here because we are digging deep into this topic. It's not something we just want to do once and let go. We were given a word, you'll remember, last July by Roger Ellis. He said, oh, guys, <laughs> you know, you've got the Holy Spirit. You know the Holy Spirit. <laughs> well, I just was channeling him there, I think. But he said, you've got to, you've got to learn to steward the Spirit. You've got to learn to to hold on to the Spirit and move in the Spirit and take it out into your community. So we heard that, we took that, and we were like, right, for the next year, we just want to go deep. We want to move from here to here to here. You know, we want to learn, we want to get to know, so we can get to know, so we can get to know um, in a, amongst us and in our community and out in our wider community as well. Okay, so that's why we're here. And we're joined today by Jill. Jill Weber plus. We've got Kate and we've got Mim here as well. So uh, get to know them. Get your chance to, to know them. We're really grateful that you're here with us, Jill. Um, Jill, of course, long-term friend of Proximity Church. Um, she's still picking out grape seeds from when we made her and her crew from Greater Ontario House of Prayer stomp some grapes in a in the garden of our prayer house at 217. Um, and she, of course, spoke at our 10th birthday party. You know, she's been along and celebrate with us along, along the way, so we're really grateful to have you here, Jill. This is part two of our Waverley Abbey double header. We had Janie Rubri uh, last month, and now we've got Jill. Jill is very much a part of the, the team that's bringing Waverley Abbey I don't want to say back to life because it's always had life and rhythm, but you, there's something there of, you know, the, the sound from the ground of the, of the, the first... The first Cistercian Abbey. The edit will show no pause. The first Cistercian Abbey um, that is now, um, yeah, Jill and the Seed community uh, are doing such a, a wonderful thing there that, you know, we were really grateful to come and join in even just for a couple of days. She's also the global convener of the Order of the Mustard Seed, probably still the fastest growing monastic order in the world, I'm sure, depending on who you ask, in the UK for sure. Um, so we're really grateful, Jill, that you travel to be with us today. Uh, I'm going to pray for you and for our time together, and then we can just dive right in. We pray, come Holy Spirit. We pray, come Holy Spirit. Jill came and she once actually told us, prayer meetings are dangerous. <laughs> and with courage, God, we pray, come Holy Spirit. Enlighten the eyes, open the eyes of our heart for revelation of who you are today. Holy Spirit, we just want to recognize you in this space. Breathe you in and breathe you out. You're here. Thank you, God. God, I pray for Jill as she helps us to explore your depths together. 
that God, that we would learn from one another. That we would see your face. That we might take this from our heads to our hearts, to our hands. To be people who bring peace. Who counteract anxiety. People who know you and love you more because we were here today. Amen. Thanks, Christy. Good to be with you all today. Um, yeah, hello from our Waverly Abbey folks. Um, yeah, we're on this crazy experiment of what does it look like to have a modern-day monastery. And uh, we've got this space over there in Farnham where uh, there's prayer as early as mid-500s um, in a Celtic monastery, and then 11, uh, 1200s, the Cistercians came in, and so lots and lots of prayer and stuff, and um, so we're, we're just redigging ancient wells and primarily just trying to create spaces for encounter where people meet with God and where he restores their souls. And so this topic today that we're, we're looking at, this transcendent peace in a time of anxiety, um, I, I really, I don't, it's going to be very interactive. Is that okay? I'm going to get you to do stuff. Everybody got a pen? Everybody got a Bible at least on your phone and, and stuff? I actually put most of the scriptures on the handout. I do have a handout just so you have something to take home. But um, yeah, so let's, I just want to start with this around anxiety. In a time of anxiety, it was funny, I, I write for Lectio 365 and I did one just recently. We did a series on the questions of Jesus. And, uh, and so he really addressed anxiety when he was talking to his followers, his disciples. And, uh, and, be, and it's, it's um, a universal experience. Anxiety is a universal human experience. Right now, it's even more increasingly universal. Mental Health UK reports that currently in the UK, one in 10 people at any one time are living with an anxiety disorder. So one in 10 and, uh, and in the States, anxiety is currently the most common mental health condition in America, affecting 40 million adults. So anxiety is a big deal right now, and it's, it's a struggle for all of us. And, and, and I, I'm, I'm coming to the conversation not as an expert, not as sort of this theorist, you know, sort of floaty up there above it all. I come from my own uh, continual... Uh, uh, I won't say struggle with, but my continual working on my own mental health. So um, I have a, I had my first depressive episode when I was 19, was hospitalized at 19, and have been on antidepressants on and off um, since then, actually. And so depression has been something that's just been part of my, my experience uh, for 30, 30 years. And, and so anxiety is is part of that, and, and I, I just I want to tell you this just to normalize it, right? You can, and and I'm currently on antidepressants right now. I'm currently in trauma therapy right now for some early days therapy in my life, and so, um, and I didn't realize that I had problems with anxiety until we begin to describe it, and we'll we'll talk about that in a second. And so, so I'm not a theorist. I'm a practitioner. So all the stuff that I'm going to suggest to you today, and I'm going to get really practical, is stuff that I do uh, that, that actually helps me. And um, so I'm, I'm going to give you an anxiety toolkit, not only for your own flourishing and for your own well-being, but, but our culture out there 
needs. We, there's this phrase that's just become so poignant and so important these days, being a non-anxious presence, right? Can we be a non-anxious presence in, in the places where we live, in our relationships, in our workplaces, in our school places? Can you walk in carrying that transcendent peace? Can you walk in you know, I, I think that, that because we've got the Holy Spirit living in us, we have capacity of the resources of heaven so that even in the midst of our human frailty, that we can carry by the Holy Spirit the presence of Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace, into our environment, and we can change the spiritual atmosphere in a room. So even though even though struggle with anxiety and um, depression are, are something that I, I live with a lot, Probably most people in my world wouldn't typify me in that way. Does that make sense? So you guys, you guys know me, and and so because I've I've just I've really I've worked really hard to open myself up <laughs> for that transcendent piece to enter in, so that it can then flow through me into the places where I live and love and play and work. So, um, so just that was my one thing. I'm not an expert. I am a practitioner. I am not one who has overcome it all. I am still in the trenches with it. It's an ongoing journey for me. Um, and, and I think the other thing that's important to say in this is that it's normal for us all to struggle with a degree of anxiety or, and worry from time to time, right? Anxiety and worry are just the little sisters to fear, right? And the scripture has a lot to say. You know, one of the most, most, um, Reuse phrases over and over and over in the scriptures, don't fear, do not fear, right? And so God is really interested in addressing our fears, our worries, our anxieties, uh, and, and giving us a new state of being. Um, so it's normal for us to all experience worry and anxiety and fear one way or another, in one situation or another. Uh, but there are those who struggle more. And so I think at the, it's important to say at the front end that, um, that there are depression there are people with clinical depression. There are people with phobias. There are people with trauma, like PTSD and complex PTSD. And, and, and I think the worst thing we can do for them as Christians is to say, oh, that's okay, God will give you peace, right? And, and, and I mean, he will, but they'll probably need medication and therapy as well. Do you know what I mean? And so I just think it's important for us to acknowledge that, that there's a full spectrum of helps to help us with anxiety and depression, including anti-anxiety medication, antidepressant medication, therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, um, EMDR, which is a, a particular trauma therapy, uh, and, and inner healing prayer. You know, there's just, there's lots. And so I don't want people to, if, if it's part of your life in a way that really impacts your life really strongly, um, and, and you walk out of here going, I tried all the things that Jill suggested and it didn't work, <laughs> you know, then you're not doing it wrong. Does that make sense? You're not doing it wrong. Some of us need a little bit more help, you know, and, and need people to journey with us on the way. But I, what I'm going to talk about today and what we're going to explore today is uh, we're going to look at a little bit of the theological framework. So what does the Holy Spirit have to do? How does the Holy Spirit address anxiety and fear? And we'll look at some scriptures around that. Um, and we're going, to do some, we're going to do some practical tools. So we're actually going to try stuff together. Is that Okay. We'll just try stuff. It'll be fun, and hopefully it'll be fun. And, uh, and we're going to explore a tiny bit of the interplay between theology and psychology. So actuality, before the Enlightenment, before the 17th century, there was no theology and psychology. There was philosophy, and there was religion. 
And, and actually, the, 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 the pastors, the vicars and ministers of the day were actually the psychologists of the day. And so they were about the soul, dealing with the heart and soul and mind of, of people. And it's only after the Enlightenment, it's split off into the field that we now call psychology. And so sometimes when we talk about psychology from the pulpit, people are like, why are you talking about psychology from the pulpit? And I'm like, well, we have to take the discipline back because it was ours first, <laughs> right? And, and we have to reintegrate our theology into, um, in, our, in our learnings around psychology. Does that make sense? So, so I'm not saying that psychology does not have to be independent of the Holy Spirit, independent of the work of God in and through us. So anyway, and, and actually some of the programs they run at Waverly Abbey, they've got a counseling program that is, is a cutting-edge program where they have reintegrated theology into psychology. And so that's, that's what makes it, it different than any other psychology a counseling program in the States. It's one of the best in Europe because they've done that integrative work of, of weaving it all back together. So, um, right. So anxiety. Anybody ever struggle with anxiety? Yes? Notice that? All right. So, so you guys are friends. You're family, right? So why don't you get in groups of three or four and talk about what is, what is worry or anxiety look for me? How do I experience it? Might as well get real right now, hey? And if, and if, you don't, and if talking about your anxiety makes you anxious, then <laughs> you could just say, oh, I'll just listen today, thanks. Is that okay? So you don't have to participate in anything we do today. Just kind of smile and nod and be in the circle, and maybe you can learn from somebody else. All right? So get in your groups. You have two minutes. How do you experience anxiety or worry? All right, let's come back together. <laughs> so how do, how do some of us experience anxiety or worry? What's it look like? So tunnel vision, you can only see the thing that you're consumed by. I'm just re looking for the, how, what, how else? How else do you experience? So tunnel vision, right? You just get off in the future, like some of the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Jesus talks about that, doesn't he? So he says, do not, uh, what was it? I've got it here somewhere. Um, Jesus talks about how today's got enough worries of its own, right? Don't you be worrying about tomorrow. You got enough on your plate today, <laughs> right? So yeah, projecting into the future, catastrophizing maybe. Yeah, worst case scenario. Yeah, yeah. It's like a plane's going to land on the scout hall and obliterate us all. Is that I mean, Jill's shortest, least effective talk? Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> Great. How else do we experience anxiety? Sorry? Sleepless nights. Yeah, yeah. Yes, getting... So you wake up... Anybody experiences? You wake up in the middle of the night and your brain is like... It's like a nocturnal hamster on the hamster wheel. Like, <laughs> everything is terrible. Everything, you know. And uh, But yeah, dealing it with prayer. And we'll, we'll talk about some prayer stuff that can help us with that. But that's very... I struggle with that one too. Chop? Get a little short. Oh, yeah. Somebody's comforting Christy now. <laughs> A little short-tempered. Anybody else? So over-responsibility. Like if I don't do it, it's not going to happen. So being driven by anxiety to overcommit and do stuff yourself, and then and then and then a critical hit happens, and you just lose it and dissolve into yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody else? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So the what if, and then changing, changing your voice, the actual tone of your voice, anxiety. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Pressure, headache, dry mouth, waking up, panic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had one that I didn't realize was a symptom of anxiety. Because they talk about, you know, anxiety that, that uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of neuroscience around it, which I won't go into, but, but they talk about uh, fright, like flight. Was it fight? Freeze. There's two more. Fawn. So fawn is when you kind of suck up to the person in power. All right, that's how you deal with the anxiety. I was I was always like the 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 um, the teacher's pet. That was how I dealt with my anxiety. Right. So um, and then my favorite one and the one I do most often flop. <laughs> you just flop. So you know anybody ever experienced you, you open up your inbox and your eyes just glaze over. Nobody has experienced that. You're just like. Just close the laptop. <laughs> just can't even go there. And uh, I've actually, I've actually had to get therapy in dealing with my laptop. But uh, and just get because there are things that trigger us, and there'll be different things for all of us, right? What what kind of gets us going and what creates anxiety? Um, and so I've got two things we're going to look at today. So just noticing it, noticing that you're anxious is is the first thing, right? Noticing it's just like okay, I'm not okay right now. All right, and then secondly, being okay about not being okay. Because I think what happens mostly when we, when we hit our limitations, when we hit our weaknesses and our vulnerability, what's the thing we usually do first? Anybody? Try harder, beat ourselves up. We're like, oh, I can't believe, or maybe you guys are way more emotionally healthy than I am, but anybody experience that? Or do you go, oh, look, you're feeling anxious right now. How can I help me? What do, you, what do you normally do? Sorry? Yeah, yeah. Anybody else? I mean, I think it's important for us as we're looking at it because um, it helps us to grow in compassion with ourselves and consequently to grow in compassion with other people, right? As, we, as we're working through this and as we're then creating kind of an internal world with the help of the Holy Spirit to step into other people's world with it. So you notice it and then you notice it with compassion you notice it with kindness. It really is like, you know, when you're driving your car and the warning light goes on the dashboard of your car, does anybody just curse at your car when that happens? Or do you go, oh, look, I think my car needs a little TLC, right? I think one thing's probably more effective than the other, you know? And so, I mean, we need to treat ourselves in that way as well. And so we've got two things. I've got, I was, we were having a, a conversation and a debate in the car on the way here of like, I get two pieces of work. One is, you know, what does the Holy Spirit do for us and in innocent through us to deal with anxiety? And number two, what do we need to do to kind of receive it? And we were like, we had the debate of which should I talk about first? And I think we decided as, as a community of discernment in the car that we will, we're going to talk first about how we can open ourselves to God to help us with the anxiety. And then we'll talk about what the Holy Spirit does. Is that okay? Um, because when you're feeling anxiety and you're feeling shut down and you're feeling scared and stuff, probably the last thing you're doing in that moment is like, hi, oh, because you, you, you shut down, you curl up, you, you know, and it's like the last thing I want to do is like, oh, I'm going to open myself to the Lord. You know, you, that's not our instinct in that moment. So I want to talk about some simple things to help us open up to the work of the Holy Spirit and to open up to God so that he can do what only God can do with our anxiety. Does that make sense? This is not a self-help workshop. These are things that we can do to create space 
for God to come into our inner space to bring transcendent peace. So, so number one, we can breathe. Everybody say breathe. breathe. Okay. And everybody take a deep breath. Just like. Take another one. <laughs> yeah, you can let it out now. One of the most effective things that I have found, you're talking about combating anxiety with prayer. One of the most helpful, most effective things that I have ever done with dealing with anxiety in my own life is something that the monastics called breath prayers. And what they did was they would create a small prayer and, and they would pray it while they breathe. So they would pray half of the prayer while they inhaled and half of the prayer while they exhaled. And, and that did a number of things. One, it got them in touch with their body. It got them breathing slower and deeper. But then they began to make a connection between mind and body, truth and body. Because we hold anxiety in our body, right? We hold it in our body. And so we need to bring an invitation to our body for, for the peace of the Lord to come. And so a famous one that's been used throughout uh, centuries is, Come, Lord Jesus. You know, come, Lord Jesus. It's out of the book of Revelation. And, and that is a breath prayer. It's a wonderful. It's, I use it a lot. It's a prayer of invocation. You're inviting the presence of God to come. It's a prayer of the declaration of the Lordship of Jesus Christ as well. He's boss over it all. So come, Lord Jesus, is one. Um, Francis of Assisi had a breath prayer. And his breath prayer was, my king and my all. So he would pray that over 100 times a day, 500 times a day, 1,000 times a day as part of his practice. And so when we're thinking about what kind of prayer could I use as a breath prayer as I'm trying to stop the spin, right, of the, the what ifs and the, you know, all of the things that you have to do, the list, I'm looking at my inbox, whatever that spin is, whatever the catastrophe at work is happening. And it, a lot of it's about displacement. Scripture talks about taking every thought captive and obedient unto Christ. And so breath prayer can help us with that. And so when you're crafting your own breath prayer, and it's, it's nice to actually craft your own, is, is pick one of the names of God. We're going to do it. So this is your exercise. You're going to pick one of the names of God that feels particularly potent and powerful in, in speaking to the need of your life or your moment. Does that make sense? So there's hundreds of names of God and descriptions of God through the scripture. So you got lots to think about and lots to choose from. And then, so you start, that would be your inhale, that name of God. And then your exhale would be, what do you most need from God right now? What is, what is, what is your deepest need, longing, desire, pain? What do you need God to do for you? Does that make sense? So, so that come Lord Jesus, that was kind of switched, but it's like Lord Jesus, that's the, he's the Lord. Jesus means salvation. And I just need him to come because <laughs> I don't know the solution to most of the problems in my life, but he does, doesn't he? And so, so I want you to just take a minute or two of quiet and just quiet yourself in God's presence and think about what breath prayer might I want to use. It often we use a scripture would be helpful. Um, I love another one, Song of Solomon, I am my beloved's. And he is mine. That's one I use from time to time as well. And so it might be a little scripture like that. So, all right. So just take a minute or two. Have a think. Ask God maybe what would be a good breath prayer for me. All right. Now turn to your group. And if you, if you want to share, share. If you don't, don't. But what, 
What's the name of God that feels most meaningful for you right now? And what's the other bit of prayer that you want to add to it in terms of what you want and need? You don't have to share if you don't want to, but if you do want to, it's a good opportunity. So turn to your folks and you can pass or you can share. All right, let's come back together. This is a short one. Anybody want to share their breath prayer to the wider group? Then we can steal it. Jehovah, lead me. Lovely. Anybody else? Father, you are my portion. Lovely. Anybody else? Your breath prayer. You can steal them from worship songs, I've discovered. My Jesus, my Savior. Yeah. One I used a lot back in the big Will Reagan days was, you see me, you know me, you love me through and through. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're going to do an exercise. I'm going to invite you to take your breath prayer, either your own or stealing one that you've heard somebody else say. And I'm going to invite you to pray it silently for a minute. So, all right? So we're not going to say anything. I invite you to close your eyes, pay attention to your breath, pay attention to your body. And just breathe your breath prayer for a minute. So let's talk about that for a minute. What was that like for you? Weird? Good? Hard? Easy? Helpful? Unhelpful? All of the above? Yeah. So combining the actual practice that you've already got and addressing a specific worry and fusing, inviting God into a practice that is already helpful for you. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Anybody else? A sense of peace and reassurance? Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. Anybody else? Calming and centering. Yeah. Okay. Anybody else? Hmm. So open something up inside of you. Yeah, yeah. So breath prayer is a simple practice. I mean, Paul talks about pray without ceasing. And actually breath prayers are ways that the monastics actually tried to pray without ceasing. They would take their breath prayer and they'd be like, here's my experiment. What would happen if I kind of let that roll around in my mind as I go through my day? Does that make sense? And, uh, and so I'd encourage you to, to practice it. It's on your little handout of practices to try. Um, those of us who, I always wake up with a song in my heart in the morning. I don't know what that is. It's, I, well, I do, my, my theory is that the Holy Spirit who lives in me is always worshiping, is always enjoying the Father and the Son. And so when I wake up and the song's rolling through my head, whatever it is, and there's, for me, there's always one. Um, I'm just kind of joining in with the worship, you know, the, the enjoyment of the Trinity. 
And, and there's often a phrase from that song that, that, uh, that I'll take with me through the day. Does that make sense? And so, yeah. So that's one thing. Breath prayer is one. So breathing, number one. That's very good. Moving. The Greek physician Hippocrates once said that walking is man's best medicine. So if you're anxious, moving, shaking it out, walking while well, walking outside. Um, so exercise enables us to become aware of our bodies. Um, just getting up and walking. So I was doing some research for this, and I found something new for me because I struggle with the freeze slash flop, right? So if I, I go to my, my inbox and I open it up and I'm like, you know, um, if I actually put that down and go do a walk around the gardens of Waverly for five minutes and come back for it, I'll probably be more able to, to do it. Does that make sense? And so when you get into freeze and flight and what, whatever, just move your body. Just move your body. And actually getting out into, um, uh, out into nature. I mean, all the creation is speaking of who God is, right? And who we are in relation to God. And so that just helps us as well. So walking is good. And moving is good. So I'm going to try some exercises here. You ready? So everybody needs to stand up. Put your papers down. <laughs> and normally we don't do movement stuff in church because we think that, that we can actually think our way through everything. And, and, and we, I think there's a lot of, that we can learn about how we body, soul, and spirit, we all, all parts of us belong to God. All parts of us then can be offered up to God, and the body itself can become a place of encounter with God. You know, I think the, the, the fact that our bodies are actually musical instruments, did you know your body's a musical instrument? The fact that you can make music by opening your mouth and opening your lungs and singing, and, you know, it might not be as... I mean, God loves the sound of all of your voices. So whether or not you love the sound of your voice, the reality is, is that your body was designed to make music. Absolutely. That's right. <laughs> so making a joyful noise. So just connecting with our body. So, so I'm going to give you, so first thing I want you to do is I want you to give yourself just a little shake. Well, actually, first, wait, wait, wait. Okay. First of all, notice your body for a second. Just kind of do a little scan. Am I holding any anxiety or tension or stress in my body? Just take a minute to just kind of notice. And if so, where? All right, so you notice? All right, so now give yourself a little shake. Just kind of shake. There we go. Mine's really shaking. So that's one thing you can do. Another thing that you can do is... Uh, Stretch and yawn. So you ground your feet, a little steady, and then you just stretch up, and just stretch up. <laughs> Somebody yawn, and then all the rest of us will yawn. <laughs> I discovered that yawns were um, contagious when my parrot started yawning after I yawned. So, so you do your stretch and your yawn, and the next thing you do is put your hand on your chest and on your abdomen. Just sway a little bit. I often feel anxiety here. This is where I often feel it. And so you just kind of give yourself a little sway. Notice how your hands feel on your chest and on your abdomen. And if you're holding tension in your body anywhere, wherever that is, just encourage you to touch that place just with loving presence, just a kindness. Often I got the top of my shoulders. And then finally, hugging, hugging yourself, giving yourself a hug, 
do the elbow hug, or you could go like full on shoulder hug. And then just give yourself a little rock, side of forward and back, side to side, I'm a side to sider. So, and just breathe, and maybe add your breath prayer. Probably like, man, that's the weirdest thing I've done in church. Except knowing your church is probably not the weirdest thing you've done in church. So what was that like? Helpful? Unhelpful? What did you notice? Warmed you up? Anybody? <laughs> we don't know how clenched we are, right? I don't know. Yep. Anybody? Yeah. Yeah. But we need comfort, too. We need comfort, too. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Running is very, it's, yeah, I've got lots of friends who just love that space, right? And, uh, yeah, and you're combining it with worship and connection with God, connection with your body, connection with your breath. Yeah, lovely. Okay, anybody else? All right, so that's, that's another little thing if you think of that you want to try at home when you're struggling with anxiety. But I want to talk another thing. Um, that actually we touched on a minute ago was gratitude, right? Your breath prayer turned into gratitude. And the scripture is really clear about how gratitude, you know, we're commanded, right? Enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. And, and there's just power in gratitude. And, and actually, um, the, that's been proven in psychological studies that gratitude is, is really powerful and could change things for us. And, and it's important to combat what we would call negativity bias. So do you know what negativity bias is? So is it, has somebody ever talked to you and told you like three things that are awesome about you and one thing that's not so awesome about you? And then you remember just the one thing? Anybody? Yeah, true. And actually, that's been, like, that's been tested. So it's like, what, is it, what did you say? This is... Teflon to positivity, negativity. And so that happens actually, um, uh, yeah, we, we, we recall insults more than compliments. We respond more, either emotionally and physically, to adverse stimuli, right? So you're going to, somebody gives you a pat on the back, be like, oh, there's a pat in the back. Put your hand on a stove burner. You're going to respond differently physically, right? And... Uh, um, it comes from that our, our it's just the, the way our brain is wired. Uh, and we respond more to negative spiritual, to negative stimuli. And then it gets enculturated in. I mean, you just watch the news, right? How much good news do you watch in the news? You don't see a lot of it, do you? And, and we don't see a lot of it because papers don't put a lot of it in. Because people won't read the papers if it's just good news. People, people we, are, we are drawn to the bad news, the catastrophe, driving down slower down a highway when there's an accident on the side. Um, and, then, and then we think about negative things more and negative thoughts more. So that, as you said, the one thing, the Velcro and the... And so that's why, I mean, gratitude is so important. Um, gratitude actually is, is connected to what psychologists call cognitive reappraisal and what, what, what um, theologians would call taking thoughts captive and obedient unto Christ because we can actually choose our narrative around what we're experiencing. We could choose, there's a story we can embed our experience in, you know, that will tell us the truth about reality, tell us the truth about God, tell us the truth about ourselves. Does that make sense? Um, and you've, we've learned that. And so, so gratitude is, 
Um, just a, a really potent, a powerful practice. I, I journal every day. The first thing I do when I get up in the morning, every day, and you can prove it by looking in my journal, uh, is I write a gratitude journal. I write, I write things that I've seen, <laughs> things that I've seen God do, um, things that I'm grateful for, small, big, and um, and I've, I've added something. So how many of you do that? How many of you like, like systematically practice gratitude? One. All right. There we go. So I have some homework for you. <laughs> what would it look like when you had your dinner times together this summer if over your meal you took a little bit of time to just talk about what was, what was good, what you're grateful for, what God is doing? You know, and, and to have that be that shared practice for you in your homes, in your families, around the dinner table. What was good about today? What did you, what would it look like if, if in your, your uh, times that you get together with your, with your girlfriend to go for a walk down, that you actually talked about, you know, what you're grateful for? And we, um, in addition to my gratitude list in the morning, I do something called a prayer of examine at night. And so in that prayer, I actually review my day looking for good, looking to see where God has been present and active in my life to cultivate that, that spirit of gratitude. And gratitude, um, yeah, anyway, so the, uh, the scripture, 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And then we know the other one of Philippians, which I have written down here, and hopefully I can find. Um, uh, nope, don't have it. But it just talks about offering up our prayers to th- with thanksgiving. And so, um, and it's important. It, uh, I don't want to say about this. I learned something about this practice that really helped me just recently. So it's, I list every day things I'm grateful for. And my new practice is I take one thing that I'm grateful for, and I savor it. We forgot to. I was going to buy you all sweets, like a hard sweet. And um, because I discovered for myself that if I think of something good that's happened or something that God has done, I could just kind of say it real quick, or I could savor it. I can linger. And I, and I think about how Mary kind of, she saw the stuff around Jesus' birth, and then the scriptures say how she pondered things in her heart. Like she went back over it time and time again. And the Psalms, the book of Psalms, all the way through, they remember and they recount the goodness of God. They go back over the story again and again and again, and they savor it. Does that make sense? All right. So back in our groups. Is that right? So I want you to all share five things that were good that you're grateful for. Um, And then, um, yeah, we'll do that to start. Right? So go in your groups. You can all do this one, right? Five things you're happy about, grateful for. One, two, three, go. Okay, y'all done your five things? All right. Now, I want you to take one of those things. So I'll give you an example. This is, this is one that I, um, I had my 25th wedding anniversary this week. Which was lovely. My husband gets sweeter and softer and mushier every year. I'm so grateful. And, um, and, and so whenever I come in the door, doesn't matter how often I come in the door, he just wants a hug. Like, 
multiple times a day. And hugging is not my primary life language. Obviously, it's his. And, and I used to be like, get off me. You know, I got to go do the dishes or whatever. <laughs> but I just, and then I was like, oh, I'm not sure that I feel really loved. And I thought, no, 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 he's loving you. You just need to relax into it. So, so my spiritual exercise has been when he does this, I just lean in and I rest there. And you know what? I'm so grateful for the love of my husband and for how God manifests his love to me through the love of my husband. And so I could write down in my little gratitude list, um, you know, God loving me through my husband, or I could savor it. I could close my eyes. I can imagine him extending his arms the way he always does. He's a bit like a golden retriever. He comes to the door. He's like, you're home, you're home. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, um, but I could, by savoring it, I actually picture myself. I revisit the thing that I'm grateful for. And I lean in and I just take a moment to sit and to revisit. What did that feel like? How did I feel? What had happened in that moment for gratitude to, to really hit my heart? Does that make sense? It's different, whole different thing entirely than just writing it down or just telling somebody it. So I want you to do is I want you just in the quiet right now, whatever one, pick one of your five, close your eyes, a thing that you're grateful for. Just picture it in your mind's eye. Is it maybe a person or a place or a thing or a moment? And just replay it in your mind for a moment. Pay attention to how you feel, what you're thinking. just let gratitude rise up in you just in the quiet just start saying thank you to God for that I don't think we're, um, I don't know if, if, if we savor things as much as we could, again, because of the negative bias, right? And, and we were grateful, and when we savor the good things that God gives, and we bring them back into his presence and just thank him and sit in it, it can change our emotional chemistry. I don't know about you, but my breathing changed. I just started to relax into gratitude and um, I think a lot of time God's actually handing us out sweets and we just crunch them rather than savoring them and letting them dissolve slowly. Does that make sense? And, I, and, and when we think about living as a, in, a, in a contemplative, in a, in a receptive posture into God's goodness in the world, which I would argue is a pretty powerful antidote to anxiety, it's that savoring the goodness of, I mean, you all savor something, right? I get my, my Starbucks decaf soy latte, sugar-free hazelnut, extra hot. <laughs> and that first sip is always the best, and I savor it. I go, and, I just, and, and what if we savored more? 
because it changes our body. It changes the way we receive God's good gifts. Anyway, so, all right, so we've talked about breathing. We've talked about breath prayers. We've talked about moving. We've talked about savoring. We've talked about gratitude. I want to talk about magnification. And I once heard this wonderful, he was a Messianic um, uh, a Messianic Jew, and, and he said, uh, he said when, when we approach a problem, he said, we've we got two things that we could do, and he did this. He said, so we can magnify the problem, right? You're going to need to magnify glasses out. You'll remember it if you do it. So Mag- magnify the problem. You're not <laughs> <laughs> right? What happens when you magnify something? That's big. That's bigger, doesn't it? Right? Yeah. And, I, and he said, so you can magnify the problem or you can magnify the Lord. All right? So what happens when you magnify something? It gets bigger, doesn't it? And so I think, I think an antidote to depression anxiety um, is this noticing our tendency, again, negativity bias, our tendency is to magnify the problem, our, neg- our tendency is to do the what if, our tendency is to... Um, catastrophize into the future. Um, but what if instead of, well, not instead of, because I think God likes us to talk to him about our problems. But what if we talk to our problems about God? Does that make sense? What if we talk to our problems about God? And so this is where I love learning from other cultures. If I am praying with um, an Afro-Caribbean you know, in, in a black community, prayer, you just, they don't even get to a request. I mean, this is a sweeping generalization, but that's why I love praying with other cultures. We're like, Lord, you are Lord of heaven and earth. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the beginning and the end. The name of Jesus is higher than any other name. And we know that every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And, oh, Lord, by the way, right? <laughs> And other cultures know how to do this. And we can learn from other cultures how to do this. And so, again, we're going to learn by doing. Is that okay? I want everybody to get up, and I want you to think about a problem that you have right now. Come on, up you get, up you get, up you get. I want you to think, whatever, what, what's your problem? What's your problem? I want you to think about your problem. And we're all going to pray all at the same time. And, and, but I want you to tell your problem about God. Does that make sense? So you just think about what it is that feels really big right now. And then I want you to start declaring the bigness of God, bigger than your problem, bigger than your situation. What? Out loud. Yes. All at the same time. You ready? All right. One, two, three, go. Amen. Have a seat. How's that feel? Telling in your problems about God. <laughs> you know, and, and it helps actually to, build, to develop. We train people in Emmaus Road to develop a biblical heart language of prayer. We teach them how to pray the Bible. And so we, we have morning prayer every day at 8 in the morning. And we're always praying through scriptures. And uh, because when we, when we put our focus on who God is and the adequacy of God and the strength of who God is, and, and um, you know, it begins to put everything else in perspective, Right? Does that make sense? So it helps us with our anxiety. So that's magnifying the Lord instead of magnifying the problem. <laughs> and then finally, staying in the moment. We talked about this. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. 
And, uh, and so oftentimes our worries about worries about the future, right? Actually, two things happen. I think anxiety can happen, well, from lots of things. Two things I notice. One, it comes from the past. So I was hearing about somebody teaching the other day about um, his son. Whenever he sees a dog, he's anxious. And he's anxious because when he was three, he got scratched by a dog. And so now that he's six, he's frightened of dogs. Not because the dog that's right in front of him is dangerous. He's safe in the present moment, but he had an experience in the past that then has given him a narrative and a belief system that dogs are bad and scary and dogs are going to hurt me. It creates anxiety in the present moment. Does that make sense? So our past and the things we believe about our past can influence how we meet the present moment. And then the what ifs, the thinking about the future, right? I'm sure this dog has rabies. This dog's got rabies, and this dog is probably going to bite me, and then I'm going to get rabies, and then I'm going to have to have those big old shots that go right through my stomach, you know, and maybe I'll be foaming at the mouth. Do you know what I mean? We catastrophize about the future. And so, but if we can live in the moment, we go, oh, look, there's a dog. And let go of the past and let go of the future. And so if you're, if you, if you're noticing anxiety in your moment... Like for me, my anxiety about my inbox, I see my inbox and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't answer all of these emails and there's so many people who want to talk to me and I don't have enough of me to talk to all these people and they're going to notice, my line managers are going to notice and I'm doing a bad job and first of all, I'm going to disappoint and upset everybody in the future and my line manager is going to be mad at me and disappointed and Pete Gregg's going to be sad, you know, all of this <laughs> stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, so... Um, but if I could just go, oh, look, there's lots of emails. And just live with that moment. Does that make sense? Without creating this grand narrative about the future and my anxiety about the past. And so Jesus talks a lot about living in the moment. And, and I think our present moment is a lot more safe than our thinking from the past and our speculating about the future would lead us to believe. Right? Does that make sense? And so, um, so I, do, I do a couple of things around that. Uh, I often, I often, uh, the thing that I'm anxious about or the things that I'm worried about, I just do this little mental prayer. I'll put them in a little helium balloon in my mind and I'll just let it go and watch it just go. Does that make sense? It's just a little visual prayer. And, uh, but, but just bringing yourself back to the moment can help. And, uh, um, yeah, so there's more, I would get into more around that, but I think if we could just, let go and let God. Be still and know that God is God. And notice when our anxiety, just notice, is this because of something past? Is this something future? Am I okay right now in this moment? Right? And that, that will help us. There is a wonderful ebook that, that was written by a guy named John Mark Comer um, in the middle of the COVID. And he wrote a little book saying that we don't know what's going to happen and that's okay. How's that for a title of a book? We don't know what's going to happen, and that's okay. We're going to send it to you. I'm not going to talk about it now, but, <laughs> but you're all going to you're all going to get a copy of it. Take it home with you. So there's some practical things. Is is anybody found anything in there helpful or useful? I, I feel like I've tossed. I always yeah. I've I always when I when I talk, I realize I'm I'm chucking a bunch of noodles against a wall, like spaghetti noodles, and, and there there might be one that sticks. So I'm hoping in that stuff, there's something that will stick. But I want to talk, I want to spend our last couple of minutes talking about who God is and who the Holy Spirit is. So we're learning ways to kind of open ourselves 
We're learning how to fight for our brain space. We're learning how to shake into our body. We're learning how to be grateful. So those are the things that we can do, right? Those are the us-sized things. And, uh, and, but Christianity is not a self-help movement, right? It's not a self-help movement. The us-sized things are not enough. We need God-sized things. We always need God-sized things. So we need the presence and the activity of the Holy Spirit. When we offer up a little us-sized thing, all our us-sized things are doing, they're creating space in our life and our heart so that God can do the God-sized thing. That's all we have to do. We just have to open up and give God permission to do the transformational work in us. So here's what the Holy Spirit does. You have this in your handout. Number one, the Holy Spirit helps us to feel God's love. The Holy Spirit helps us to experience God's love. This is in Romans 5, verses 1 to 5. I'll just, in, the, in the, the back end of it, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So it's God who helps us to feel the love of God. So that's number one. Number two, the Holy Spirit helps us to experience what it's like to be God's child. So the Spirit you receive doesn't make you slaves so that you live in fear. Let's say fear or anxiety, right? But rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, let's say daughtership as well, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. So the Holy Spirit, one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to help you experience what it is to be a child of God. You don't have to make your, you know, if that, if that feels too hard, you just say, Holy Spirit, show me what the love of the Father's like. I want to experience the love of God. Holy Spirit, would you come and help me to experience the love of God? The scriptures say that he will help us with that. Number three, the Holy Spirit comforts us. John, Jesus and John is saying, I will pray that the Father would give you another helper. That word helper is parakletos, which means comforter. He will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. And I love this, the spirit of truth. And often we lose our comfort because we're living in lies that fear that uh, people have sometimes said the fear is that false, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real, (laughs) right? So we get all these lies roaring around in our brain space, but the Holy Spirit can lead and guide us into truth that will bring peace and bring comfort to our hearts. And so actually, if we, if we are able to position ourselves with God as our orienting reality, And actually say, you know what, in God I live and I move and I have my being. That means in this moment right now, I'm safe in him in this moment right now. And we could trust him. And he's good. And he'll help us. It doesn't mean that the hardship's going to go away. It means he's going to be with us in the midst of the hardship. He will comfort us. He will give you another helper. Again, he'll guide us into all truth. When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. A lot of, it's actually really interesting in, in cognitive behavioral therapy. So this is, again, where, where therapists will work with clients around the lies, core lies that they've come to believe about themselves and about the world, and, and, and um, take them into a process of replacing lies with truth. So that's just psychology trying to do what God's encouraging us to do all the time and that's why being that's why being in the scripture is so important because we need for God to 
to tell us the truth about who we are, who he is, and what our life is all about. And we find that in the scriptures. So the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit helps us to understand all of that. If you're, if you're reading something in the Bible and you're just not getting it, or if you're getting it here but you're not getting it here, you're like, Spirit of truth, would you just come and make that alive in my heart and in my life? The Holy Spirit can help you with that. And actually, this is where I find the breath prayers really helpful because I, if I'm honest, I don't always feel lovable or lovely or loved. Um, and... Uh, um, but if I, you know, the, the reality is that God is love, and the reality is I am lovely, I am lovable, I am loved all the time, right? Regardless of my merit, I'm, I'm loved because God is loving, right? I'm loved because God is love. I'm lovely because I'm an image bearer, you know? That's, those are all, that's the reality. And so if I can actually live in light of, of eternal reality, if I can live, because, because, If God and his word and his truth and his spirit is the chief orienting reality in my life, and if I employ the practices of gratitude and breathing <laughs> and magnifying the Lord rather than magnifying my problems, does that make sense? I step into that reality and it changes my affective state. It changes my emotions. It changes what happens in my body. And I step into reality as it truly is. The Holy Spirit brings us freedom. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I love this. The, the next part of this passage, I, I didn't realize this went on, and this is 2 Corinthians 3, 16 to 18. So where the Lord of the Spirit is, there's freedom. So God brings us freedom from our anxieties, from our fears, from our worries, by his Holy Spirit. And then... And we who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So this is, this is, this is where that becoming that non-anxious presence comes. This, if we do the work, if we open ourselves to God and say, God, you know what, I'm going to do all these different things, open myself to you so that you can, so that I can live in the light of the reality of who you are and who I am, then you will become that non-anxious presence. You will become, you will, you will be able to step into a room and you will be so in tune with reality, what's really real, who God is, who you are, what he's about in that moment. Then, then there's a courage that comes in that space. There is a contentment that comes. There's a peace that comes. There's a feistiness that comes and an excitement and joy instead of an overwhelm and a depression and a despair. Because they're living out of the truth of who God is. And the reality that the Holy Spirit lives in us. So that same spirit, the scripture says, that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, lives where? In our mortal bodies. In our mortal bodies. In him we live and we move and we have our being. We are alive in him. And we can, and our whole lifetime on this planet is figuring out how to step into the reality of what that is and its implications in our life and our world and our relationships. And then finally, the Holy Spirit gives peace and joy. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Well, there's a whole bunch of content I didn't get to, but that's okay. But... Um, 
Let's just close our eyes for a minute. We've got five minutes left, so let's just bow our hearts in God's presence. Holy Spirit, I just pray for each of the folks in the room here. And I ask Holy Spirit that you would come with your peace and with your love. Orient us to who you are. Lord, deliver us from all of our fears. Rescue us because you delight in us. Lord, we walk, want to walk in the reality of life in the Spirit. We want to live under your loving gaze. Lord, just even now, we just want to cast our cares in you, and we just, every one of us, uh, just want to offer up in the quiet things we're anxious about right now. Lord, we just hand them to you. Literally imagine ourselves just placing them in your hands. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would guide us into truth. We ask that you would reveal the love of the Father to our hearts. And that when you reveal it, that we would receive it and that we would savor it and rest in it. Lord, we want to be a people free of fear and anxiety. We want to be a people who change the spiritual atmosphere in a room, who carry peace. And so we just open ourselves to you and invite you to come and do that in us and through us.
Amen. Just, just one last word on the other handout. I didn't get time at all to go into it. You've got a little handout you could take home with you, the reflective prayer. I try to encourage this as a practice. It's the beginning, stop and pray. Write down a thing you're anxious about or you're worried about. Number one, what's the situation? Write that in that little spot there. Number two, get honest. What are you thinking about that situation? What are your worries or your wondering, your thought patterns? Write down how you feel. What are you doing in response to it? Write it all down. What does Shrek say better out than in? So (laughs) get it all down. Write it all down. And then ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Lord, are there any lies that I'm believing about this situation? Are there any lies that I'm believing? Write them down. Here's the lies that I'm believing about the situation. And then number four, just get really honest with God about it. Lie or not, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm feeling. Blah. We have biblical precedent for this. The psalmist did this all the time. So you just write down your blah, your honest, honest thoughts and feelings. And then listen. Say, God, what do you want me to know? And just listen. And likely or not, something will pop into your heart and mind. A picture, a scripture, some encouragement. I believe that God will speak to you when you come to him in that honesty. And he'll take your fears. And he'll give you his peace. That's just a little homework for you. Is that right? Okay. That's all I got. Um, And that's our time. So hopefully some of that's helpful. But, yeah. It's Brill from Jill. Thank you so much, Jill. And obviously, guys, it goes without saying that, you know, we haven't completed peace and counteracting anxiety in our lives this morning. (laughs) And we just echo what Jill shared, you know, at the beginning, that if this is something that you do find yourself struggling with in a particular way, that there are other ways to, to find help and to, to, to explore ways of, of overcoming that in, in your own life. Um, I'm really grateful for our rhythm of house church um, and, and the, the cultivating of family around a table, you know, and, and allow that to be your space to, you know, be vulnerable with one another and to, to share honestly and openly, maybe like you have done today or like you did with, with God today. Um, this is obviously an ongoing journey of discovery for, for all of us. So we, we take these tools and both we want to become practitioners like Jill. We have to practice some of this stuff. We have to put some of this stuff into practice. So if there was something today, let's go two ways. If there was something today that you found particularly helpful, then keep doing it. Try it again. Try it again. If there was something today that you found particularly uncomfortable, maybe that's a signal to you that actually that's the one you need to try again and, and again. Um, to see what, what, what might be happening there. Um, but yeah, let's, let's take on some of this stuff. You know, we can, we can fight our negativity bias. We can flee and make movement and be inspired to move. We can freeze and savor, uh, in gratitude. We can fawn to, and magnify the glory of the true power in our lives in, into God. And we can flop into his presence and be transformed into his likeness. So let's, let's take this. Listen to it again if you found it helpful. If there were things that you want to catch again, it's going to go live um, as soon as possible. So listen again. Uh, Thank you so much, guys, for coming. Let's give Jill one more round of applause because it's so excellent.
And we're so grateful to have such good friends like Jill. 